Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Nick, am I coming through the house? All right. You can't take 15 months or you don't use something without a few glitches. Thank you to everyone that's helped us ramp back up. And uh, so far, so good. And uh, let me mention one thing before I move into my remarks. And I hope you're not in a hurry today. I hope that you, I hope that you ate before you came. If you didn't, you will learn the lesson before next week because you will be hungry. So you want to eat a, a big breakfast or a, a brunch right before you come. With this new schedule, you're going to need to adjust that way. Um, but if anybody complains about us going long today, you will be taken out back and shot summarily. <laughs> just, pssst, just done. We're sending you to heaven. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200. You're going straight to see Jesus. Now, in a few weeks, you can start your normal belly aching about whether the service went too short or too long and all the normal stuff. Somebody commented, I will not name the parties, but it was very amusing to me. We were in the midst of setting up chairs, and, and uh, somebody had a comment about something they were hoping we would have addressed and had not. And another person piped up and says, now, called them by name, let's give them at least through Sunday before we start our complaints. <laughs> I negotiated on the spot for two weeks. I am now publicly saying to those parties, you're giving us the month of August. You can start complaining in September. <laughs> Let me mention one little housekeeping. One of the things, if you've noticed the pastoral team wearing masks, we are not doing that to protect us. We're doing that because if you feel more comfortable wearing a mask, we do not want you to feel uncomfortable doing so. So for the next few weeks, we're the most visible parties in this building we will wear masks with you so that if you want to wear masks, then you may do so and do not feel marginalized and do not feel under pressure. Second thing, if you walked in, you saw the table right there in the foyer as you came in. Those bands, those wristbands, bright color, are meant to be able to facilitate that if you want some separation, you don't want to be touched, put on one of those bands and church, just look for those bands. And if you see that, just do air, do all, we all know how to do it, right? We've been doing it for a long time, so just give space. We're a diverse congregation, and with diversity comes diversity. You, you, you can't do it just in, 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 in speak and that not have it in reality. Obviously, as you all are aware, Delta variant is kicking up a storm and causing some problems. It looks like primarily among those who either are not or cannot be vaccinated, but we will keep monitoring that, all right? But we are in a different place with regard to with the presence of vaccines, and so that is where we are back in person. But that does not mean that some of you might not be wanting to respond differently. I do not want to get us into the business of mandating beyond necessary medical issues. We didn't do that before COVID, and I don't want to hold on to it as we move out of COVID. So I am very reticent to be mandating things to you. You say, well, man, you sure did it for 15 or 16 months. Yeah, 
It was a special case, and that all the more emphasizes that that authority I exercise needs to back off as soon as I possibly can. So we are going to try to create a space where you're making decisions. Now, could things change that we would have to adjust? Yes, but I'm hopeful that that will not happen. And so if you want to wear a mask, you are welcome to do so. Do not feel marginalized. And I see a number of you doing so, and I'm glad for that. So for the next few weeks, they all want to shoot me, but we're going to do it. We're going to wear our masks, the pastoral team, to give you all cover. That way you are comfortable. You understand that that's how it's operating, all right? And then those wristbands will help you if you want to keep some space. And there could be various reasons. Could have to do with your job. Could be that you're traveling somewhere. It could be a number of things. I know a few years ago, the Twin Towers came down in New York City, and travel has never been the same since. I used to make fun of you. I'm really sorry. But I used to make fun of you who were always using hand sanitizer. You know who you are. I used to tease you lovingly, but I would tease you. Do you see that I now have permanent fixtures of hand sanitizer? I mean, they are steel. They're not going anywhere. A new reality is upon us. So washing your hands and hand sanitizing is now not just for the germophobic. It is now for all of us. (laughs) And so we face new realities. Life brings those to us. And so... We want you comfortable as you come. If you want to wear a mask, if you feel for whatever reason to do so, do so. If you do not want to shake hands, you don't want to hug, you don't want to touch, put on those wristbands. They'll be there every week. And folks, respect that, okay? Don't break in on that. Give them that space, okay? And you got to break habits because now we're back in person and we start to reach for one another. And that's good. I'm glad you all love one another. But let's make sure that we respect those boundaries so that everyone feels safe and comfortable. To those of you that are watching online, if you, for whatever reason, either couldn't be here or you chose not to yet be here, we are going to do our best to continue to give the service online for you. As soon as you can come back, please do so. All right, please do so. We are not trying to cut anybody off. We want everyone to be welcome. That's always been the way that it is. Let me express, first of all, gratitude um, to the pastoral team, and in that I include Desi and Rachel, even though they're not here today, for their contributions during this past 16 and a half months. From pastoral care, go ahead. From pastoral care to small groups, To daily broadcasts, there were days I wanted to shoot Rachel. That was her idea. And then they leave. But then I couldn't shoot her because she's gone. Anyway, I don't even own a gun. So those of you that don't know me, I can't shoot anybody. Adam, I'd miss. But anyway, from daily broadcasts to (laughs) to the campus renovation, And then, in the midst of all of that, as you knew, I had introduced that after 25 years of serving you, I was going to take a sabbatical, and then we didn't know if that was going to happen, and they enabled that two-and-a-half-month sabbatical to occur. This team has been faithful. They have been steady. They've been, Paul's highest word that he ever used, other than apostle, was the word co-worker. This team has been a co-worker to us, and I want to say personally, thank you. 
Thank you. I also want to extend to that a special thanks to a lady who both loves and hates me. Her name is Leela Cooper. She loves me because we've been working a lot of years together, and I think she respects me, and we've just we've kind of worked out the kinks, so to speak. She hates me because she knows exactly what's wrong with me, and I won't change. But I want to give her special thanks in her role as project co-manager in this year-long process of renovating our physical campus. I am a force of nature. I am a force of nature that simply will not stop until a job is done. I'm grateful, though, in the midst of all of that, for her patience with both me and with the job. Together, well, next Friday we will have succeeded when the front doors are put in. (laughs) There was one thing we did not get across the threshold on, but everything else came together despite all kinds of adjustments in schedule and problems with manufacturing and supplies and delivery and shipping. Anyway, COVID's made life interesting in more ways than just whether we could worship together. And so, Leela, thank you. Thank you for helping. Thank you for being, putting up with me. And now to you, church, whether you're online listening or whether you're sitting here in the sanctuary, I believe that That's not to say I don't still believe in you, but I want you to understand, and I need to go back a little bit, but I believed in you. I believed that you were truly Christians that would serve Christ no matter what you faced. I believed that you could and you would dig your own wells. I believe that not only could we as a church bear witness to our larger community, those outside these by caring for our neighbor and not becoming a super spreader. But I also believed that you were better for the kingdom, both alive and well. and wrap my brain around how you being sick or dead helped the kingdom. A few stopped believing in me. And that weighs heavily on me. But I do not apologize for guarding you. I love you. I serve you for him. And repeatedly, I have heard his voice say, well done. And that is enough. But to all of you who despite, because I know all of you, you are the most opinionated bunch of people the world has. (laughs) 
And we've created space where you are safe to be the most opinionated people the world has. So I know that there is no way you agreed with every decision that was made. But to all of you who trusted me, who continued to believe in the pastoral team, who stayed faithful in giving, who stayed faithful in attendance to small groups, and every night you tuned in to the broadcast, I want to say to you in person, I want to say to you across the screen, thank you. Thank you for continuing to believe. I believed in you. Twenty fifteen for me was a year of great loss. Some of you understand that and know that. Others of you, it's not even on your radar. But that brought to a completion a fourteen year sustained contribution to the establishment of the seminary for the United Pentecostal Church known as Urshan Graduate School of Theology. The reason I reference that is not to go back to loss, but rather to say that in the midst of that loss, God began to speak to me, and he began to do a work inside of me. You want to be active in the kingdom? He'll start inside of you and then let it flow out into his kingdom. So from that work that he began to do in me across 2015, you all may remember that I announced to you in 2016 the year of the plumb line. Anybody remember that? And I told you everything was going to get measured. We were going to start asking questions of everything that we were doing. And then... At the beginning of 2017, I preached to you a, a sermon series that, on the one hand, wow, God knew what he was doing, but on the other hand, I wish I, some days, had never preached it. And this is the Chase the Lion series, and if you've not heard it, if you're new to us, I encourage you to go to, everybody say it with me, newarkupc.info, there you go. For those of you online, you should have heard it many times. And go listen to that series. It is in our media archives. I preached that at the beginning of 2017, and then in April of 2017, we began small groups. Then, hard on its heels in 2018, the shift from the pastor-centric model to a team began with the building of the pastoral team, the hiring of Russ Bear as our education pastor, and then followed as Russ went on the hiring of Desi Lugo as our connections pastor. This shift in focus, excuse me, in vision, in structure, and in operations, looking back, is very clear to me, was strategically guided by our master who was aware of what was coming and where he was and is taking us. If we had not already made these moves, COVID-19 would have crippled us. 
I would have resigned in the middle of it with a breakdown. Because I gave you everything I had across COVID with the new structure, with a team. But God knew. And that's what I want you to recognize. The reason I'm kind of doing this little bit of review is I want you, before I preach to you this morning, I want you to once again be reminded the master is on his throne. He knows what's happening down here, and he knows what he's doing. Even when it looks like he's doing nothing, he's doing something. So instead, when COVID-19 hit us and when we shut down on March 15th, we were poised and positioned to be able to go into a learning mode, to innovate. And you all have stayed faithful in attendance to our digital campus and in giving. Just as a side note, it's hard to count numbers on the digital campus. You come and go. Facebook and YouTube hide who exactly is watching. Unless you comment, we don't know that you're there. We know that somebody's watching. I can count money. I can also count whether you're at small group. Those are our two countable things. The reason I know that this congregation has been faithful, I'm not telling you we haven't been battered. I'm not telling you we haven't felt the effects of this. We have. The whole world has. There's nobody who skated through this without an impact. But the reason I know that you've been faithful and the reason that I want you to recognize that you were able to be faithful because God had been faithful to you. God had been faithful by being faithful to his church. He was faithful to leadership in guiding them in what was to happen. Because 2020 and 2021 thus far in giving are in the top three giving years of all of Newark UPC's history, only being superseded by 2019, which was our highest giving year ever. So we have an all-time high year in 2019, and COVID hits. What should happen? Should go down, right? The world's in chaos. There's problems. There's issues. There's all kinds of things happening. The economy's in trouble, et cetera, et cetera. Yet 2020 and 2021 are the next two highest years. February 23rd, I'm sure you all remember it. I've drawn on it many a time through these last almost 17 months. I came home from a conference called Winter Fire, and God had given me a message. I was uncomfortable with the message. I don't like preaching that kind of message. I even told you what it was. It was a prophetic message. That means you speak the word of the Lord, and many times when you speak for God, you speak things which are not yet known. That's the mistake of thinking that prophetic always means future. It doesn't. So many times God is talking about the future because he knows the future. 
And so I preached to you the message play, and I want to review this with you, the main points. I'm not going to re-preach it to you. I'm not going to embellish. I just want you to listen to the words again. And the reason I know it is because I had written these down. These were not just things that I had extemporaneously done, but this sermon, I literally had them written down. God loves Newark UPC. He is pleased with your zealous commitment to his word. He loves your generosity to his mission. He loves your faithfulness. Number two, God is already planting the seeds of our provision. Everything in his economy is working to provide for us. We have all that we need. Do not be afraid. Number three, tell the truth. Don't hide. Have courage. Number four, everything you thought you had to do to have God's blessing will become easy and light. Fasting and mourning will become rejoicing and play. It's party time. Number five, God is calling people from around the world as they come to the United States, to the eastern seaboard, and to our communities in the greater metropolitan Philadelphia. They will continue to come from nations and cities all over the world, both poor and weak, rich and powerful. They will come seeking our God within our midst. Number six, those who desire God will seek you out. They will find you. They will sense that you know God and they will want to walk with you. Number seven, what is impossible for us is possible for God because through his mighty power at work within us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Number eight, God is already in the pit. God is already strengthening our hands. God is already sharpening our weapons. He is already rescuing us from the lions. Chase those lions. Jump into those pits. He's giving you a testimony right now. Number nine, resist temptation. Resist fatigue. Resist disappointment. Resist fear. Resist defeat. Well, I'm glad I had that word from the Lord across the last 17 months. Finally, it is not by force nor by strength. It's spirit. Return to the joy of knowing him. Return to the joy of his salvation. Return to the simple faith of a child. Return to the carefree life of a child. Return to the life of growing in play. Play again. As many of you know, as I preached that sermon to you and God moved powerfully in that service, Dr. Joey Payton, who comes frequently and preaches to this congregation and has spoken to us in many powerful ways, texted me. He said, as I said at the set, this is his prophetic word. I, I view it as a prophetic word from him that confirmed the word that God had given to me. As I said at the celebration of first Passover, and just as important, this day, meaning that February 23rd, meaning that sermon, and this prophetic word shall live in memorial. 
In years to come, this day shall be remembered as the day that Newark came into my complete will. This day shall be remembered as the beginning of all that I promised for the last 40 years. And this day shall be a day of reorientation each year that calls the church to learn, to serve, and to play in the presence of the Creator. Church, these words from God do not fall short. You can't forget them. They matter. And then I'm sure you all remember, but before any of that happened, as a setup to that sermon and that prophetic word from Dr. Payton, tongues and interpretation. Yes, we are a tongue-talking church. If you're a guest with us, we are the most smart tongue-talking church you've ever met. We have not lost our minds. We are not filled with demons. We are filled with the almighty spirit of God. say, well, I don't know about you people. That's okay. Just hang around a little while. Nothing's jumped on you yet. So if it hasn't, don't worry about it. Just come worship with us. Let God show you what's happening. Tongues and interpretation according to 1 Corinthians. Look up. Look up. My redemption draweth nigh. I am coming back for my people. I am coming to seek and to save, but I am also coming to pull away, to separate, to shake. Grab on to me. Depend on me. For a time is coming where I am all you will have, but I will be all that you need. Brothers and sisters, less than one month later, the campus shut down. Now, why did I review all of that? Why did I take, you know, the last 15, 20, maybe even 25 minutes to walk through that? Why, why am I doing that? Why don't you get to the point, preacher? Why don't you preach? Because you've got to understand that history matters when you're trying to walk in faith. You can't see the future. You can hear the voice of the Lord about the future, but you can't see it. Abraham, the father of the faithful, is described as one who went seeking a city that God would show him. He couldn't see it. He didn't know where it was. He wandered. But God knew where it was. God knew where he was going. God had it in control. And the only way that Abraham could continue to walk in faith in the present is to draw upon the faithfulness of God from the past. That's why it's so miraculous when you respond to the gospel message and you repent of your sins and you are baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ and God fills you with his spirit because you don't have much faith to draw on there. Some of you have been serving God long enough that there is no excuse for you not to believe God because he has been so faithful so many times in the past and you need to recount those stories. That's why Joshua, you know the story, they cross over the Jordan, and Joshua says, take a pile of stones from within the Jordan and put them on the other side, and then take a pile from the side and put them in the river. Why? Because then when your children and your children's children and their children and their children come by and they say, what's that pile of rocks? When they act like kale, he walks up and I'm working, he goes, what are you doing? 
Why are you doing that? What are you doing? And the kid don't take a hint. I ignore him. He just keeps saying it. I refuse to answer him because I know how this goes. Because you answer one question, you get another one. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to get another one, I might as well stick with the one that I can tune out. What are you doing? 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 He never did stop, by the way. So God knew this. He said, your children are going to come by. They're going to see that pile of rocks. They're going to go, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? And when that happens, you tell them. You tell them my past faithfulness. You tell them how I took care of you back then. Because then they'll have the faith to believe for when I'm going to take care of them up there in the future. So past matters. And so today that's why I have taken the time to review this with you because past matters. Now we return to a renovated campus in which we've put $315,000 into this campus. Just to give you some context, this building, when it was built brand new from the ground, everything in it cost $330,000. I did a little... Well, you always told me it was 330 Including the pews? Okay. I don't know where I got the 330 I stand corrected. It's even worse. I did take the 300000 and I did an inflation calculator on it, which would have put it at, if we build it in today's dollars, it would have cost about $600,000. You walk back into a building that we have invested into a campus, excuse me, not just this building, but into a campus that we've invested $315,000. Nearly, and when I say nearly, I'm talking it's just a few hundred dollars off. Nearly two hundred. 70,000 of that money came from the federal government. I want to pause for a moment right there. It came from the federal government on a single signature from an insurance company. Ladies and gentlemen, I need you to understand something. If someone offered me $315,000 as a return on an investment of $45,000, I would do that all day long. <laughs> I mean, Keith, I'd do it, I'd do it, and then take another forty-five. dollars say, can I sign up again? Then I'd take another one, I'd give it to him again, say, can I sign up again? Because that's some nice return. That's some really good return. $45,000 investment out of our pocket? and we get 315000 back, oh, I wouldn't hesitate. We'd be moving on this. I have never been more confident. Everybody needs to hear me this morning. I know that you all have commented that as the pastoral team has also shouldered the labor with me. We haven't heard much from you, Brother Steve. Trust me, you better listen up this morning. You're going to hear from me. It'll be un- unmistakable what I'm saying to you. I have never been more confident that I heard from the master when he told me at Winter Fire those several years ago, spend the money in the reserve. We have invested in people, and he in return put it back to us and invested in our campus. You cannot outgive God. It is impossible. He told us, he said, anything you give up for my kingdom, anything, I will return it to you times 100 and with eternal life in the life to come. 
You cannot outgive God. Now we are poised. This church is poised to invest again by sending our own in Desi and Rachel as missionaries to the island nation of Vanuatu. We have sent many missionaries before, but we've never sent anyone that was ours, that was one of us, that was a member of this church as the missionary. That's not an accident. It didn't just happen. That's not circumstantial based upon, oh, well, that's what happened with Desi and Rachel. No, no, no. This is a part of what God is doing in the midst of us. And I ask you a question. I wonder how he will multiply that gift back to us. By the way, don't miss August 22nd, August 27th, and August 29th. If you miss it, then make arrangements. August 22nd, we will hold our second sending our own service where you will come and you will give as God has laid on your heart to send Marcus, my son, to Guatemala for four months of missions and to send the Lugos to Vanuatu. We did this before with the two full bears and with Caleb. This one's a little different, though. All the young people, you're investing with a hope of a return. Desi and Rachel are proven. They are our own, and now we are sending them as missionaries. So you don't want to miss that August 22nd. And if you do, all you need to do, I will make it live. In fact, I promise you I will make it live today. So you can start through Rebel Give Giving if you want to. You can give to send them to Vanuatu. God returns it back to us. But August 22nd, they will be back in town. They will be with us, and we're going to hold that special sending our own service. Then on the 27th, that Friday night, we will have a time for you after today. We will ordain Rachel. Rachel received ordination at district conference, and so we, the congregation, are going to ordain her. And then on the 29th, we will have a commissioning service in which we then commission them as missionaries and send them on their way to Vanuatu. Think Acts 13. Think Paul and Barnabas. Every time Paul and Barnabas came back, what did they do? They came back through Antioch. Every time Desi and Rachel come back from the mission field, guess where they're coming back through? They're coming back to Newark to tell Newark what great things God has done through them. I like being Antioch. I like being Antioch. We are not going to be Jerusalem. We're not going to try to control. We're not going to try to get a hold of. We're not going to constantly send emissaries to check up on things. No, we're going to be Antioch. We're going to have faith in people. We're going to send them forth. We're going to give generously, and we're going to believe. So today I come to you. I'm tired. I want you all to know that. But not afraid. I am weary, but I'm really confident. I've never been more alone. Some of you may feel that as well. This season has been a tough season, yet I am surrounded by his presence in a way that I have never been surrounded by his presence like before. I know less, but I'm more certain than ever. I have died. 
and yet in dying I have found life abundant. I want you to understand that it's from this place, these years, from 2015 to now, and with those prophetic words that I just reminded you of, those promises God gave to us, that I bring you my message today. You say, well, that wasn't the message? Oh, no. Now I'm about to preach to you. (laughs) Remember, any complaints, out back, we'll find a gun, shoot you. As many pressures as I've gotten, when are we coming back to church? Don't start on the first one telling me you went too long. It It won't bode well for you, all right? Let me give you the backstory before I read you the actual text. The army of Aram is at war with Israel. But Elisha, remember that prophet, Elisha, successor of Elijah? Elisha keeps telling the king of Israel the movements of the army of Aram. Every time the army of Aram goes to defeat Israel, Israel knows ahead of time what's happening. And it just drives the, the, the king of Aram nuts. He thinks he's got a spy within his midst. And finally, somebody tells him, no, the problem you got is with the prophet Elisha. He's telling the king of Israel what's happening. So the king of Aram sends a great army to Dothan, where the prophet Elisha lives, to capture Elisha. Okay? Those of you that want to look at this, this is 2 Kings chapter, uh, chapter 6. And so this army, this great, this little town of Dothan where Elisha is camped out, all right? So Elisha's servant gets up in the morning. Some of you may remember this story. Elisha's servant gets up in the morning, and he sees this great army, and he does what any sane person would do. He goes running to the prophet, terrified, and saying, what are we going to do? Because all he can see is this massive army. He's terrified, and he's confused. Some of you may remember the prayer. Elisha prays to the Lord and says, Lord, would you open my servant's eyes? Would you let him see what's really going on? He's only got part of the picture. He doesn't have the whole picture. He sees the army, but he doesn't see what's behind the army. Lord, would you open his eyes? And so the scriptures tell us that the Lord opens the eyes of the servant, and now he sees what Elisha saw and why Elisha was probably, as I imagine it, still laying in bed having a snooze. Because Elisha didn't just see the army. He saw what was behind the army. And what was behind that army was horses and chariots of fire surrounding the entire Aramean army. The Aramean army thought they had Elisha because they had him surrounded, but they didn't know that an army greater than them had them surrounded, and the prophet Elijah was right in the middle to watch the show. I could preach right there. That's not my sermon this morning, but for those of you that have ears to hear, you can go ahead and preach that sermon to yourself. When you are in the middle of the army, as long as you're where God wants you to be, you just have a front row seat for the show about what God is doing. But you got to have eyes to see the whole picture. You can't narrow your focus. 
So then the scripture tells us that the Lord struck the army blind at the word of Elisha. There's power in a prophet's words. He struck the army blind, and Israel captured the army. You can go read it. It's very funny. Basically, Elisha leads, Elisha leads them into the city, and they capture them. But then, at the word of Elisha, mercy is extended, and the Aramean army is sent home. But later, Ben-Hadad, who's the king of Aram, sends an army again. He didn't learn his lesson. He must not have been there. He didn't see the fiery chariot. He wasn't struck blind. He didn't feel the mercy. He sends an army again, and they besiege Samaria, the capital of Israel, such that they run out of food, and they begin eating, I'm glad you all ate lunch already, donkey heads, dove dung, and children. That's how bad it was. You think about it. Donkey heads, dove dung, and their own children. So this army has surrounded the capital city, and that's the context of our scripture today. 2 Kings chapter 7, and beginning with verse number 1. Elisha replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, now remember, right now, they're eating donkey heads. If you're lucky, you're getting donkey heads, dove dung, or your own children. Everybody else is just starving. By this time tomorrow, the markets of Samaria, you will find six quarts of choice flour, will only cost you one piece of silver, and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. By this time tomorrow, all that's in the markets now, if you get lucky, is donkey heads and dove dung. And secretly, you're killing your children to eat them. And God, through the prophet Elisha, speaks this promise. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. That could not happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. This circumstance is so dire. This circumstance is so out of whack. This circumstance is so out of control. God can't even fix it. But Elisha replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Now, shift scene. So this is inside of Samaria. The army has surrounded them. They're eating donkey heads, dove dung, and their children. And the prophet says, you're not seeing the whole picture. By tomorrow, you're going to see the whole picture. And the officer who expressed not only disbelief, but rebuke. He said, you're going to see it, but then you're not going to be able to eat it. Now, shifting. Outside the city gates, there are four men with leprosy. Now, they're pretty safe because the army doesn't want to touch them, and the city don't want to touch them because they're contagious. 
they're sitting outside the city gates. They're also starving. They got no food either. They don't have any children to kill. They can't get near donkey heads. And I guess the the, the doves were all inside the city, I guess, because they didn't have any dove dung either. They said, why should we sit here waiting to die? Why should we take this position of just waiting to die, they asked each other. We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we will starve if we find a way to sneak back in there. So we might as well go out, surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, well, so much the better. But if they kill us, we'd have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had acted again, acted in a way that Israel couldn't see, done something that they weren't aware of. There's kind of a theme here. You see this? God works in a world that cannot be seen. He does things that are behind the veil of our sight. He does things that we are not aware of until he chooses to make them aware to us. He had caused the Aramean army to hear something that wasn't real. They heard the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. They said, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. So they panicked. They ran into the night. They abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and everything else and fled for their lives. By the way, there was no Egyptian army. God just messed with them. When the men with the leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine. They carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Finally, they said to each other, and notice they said it only after they had put a whole lot of loot away. (laughs) Just a little side note there. It's not the main point of my sermon, but... They were getting tired of digging holes. They said, this is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. So they went back to the city. They told the gatekeepers what had happened. They said, we went out to the Aramean camp. No one was there. The horses and donkeys were tethered. The tents were all in order, but there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeeper shouted the news to the people in the palace. The king got out of bed in the middle of the night and told his officers, I know what has happened. The Arameans know we are starving, so they have left their camp and have hidden in the fields. I want everybody to notice what the king said. He already had the word of the Lord. But look at what he said. It's there. He's staring at it. He's gotten notified of it, and he says, It's got to be a trick. I know what's happened. They know we're starving, so they've gone and hidden. They're expecting us to leave the city, and then they will take us alive and capture the city. One of his officers replied, we'd better send out scouts to check into this. Let them take five of the remaining horses, the ones we haven't killed yet. If something happens to them, it will be no worse than if they stay here and die with the rest of us. See, that one officer had the same mentality as the lepers. He said, we're dead the way we are, so we might as well try something else. We're going to die for certain. Let's see if we might live. So the two chariots with horses were prepared. The king sent scouts to see what had happened to the Aramean army. 
They went all the way to the Jordan River, followed a trail of clothing and equipment that the Arameans had thrown away in their mad rush to escape. The scouts returned and told the king all about it. Then the people of Samaria rushed out and they plundered the Aramean camp. So it was true that six quarts of choice flour were sold that day for one piece of silver and 12 quarts of barley grain were sold for one piece of silver just as the Lord had promised. Just as the Lord had promised. The king appointed his officer to control the traffic at the gate, but he was knocked down and trampled to death as the people rushed out. So everything happened exactly as the man of God had predicted when the king came to his house. And in case you missed the point, the writer of 2 Kings says, let me repeat it for you. The man of God had said to the king, by this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost one piece of silver, and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost one piece of silver. But the king's officer had replied, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. And the man of God had replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. And so it was, for the people trampled him to death at the gate. From this story, I want us to recognize a couple of things. Number one, it is easy to forget the miracles of the past when faced with the trials of the present. The reason I've reviewed our recent past is because it's easy to forget the miracles of the past when faced with the trials of the present. But the God of the past is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not any different. This is the same God that saved you. This is the same God that healed you. This is the same God that was faithful to you. This is the same God who miraculously met you. This is the same God. And you need to stir up your memory about the miraculous hand of God from the past. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the trials of today are no different than the trials of the past. Leadership matters. Who you choose as your leader, who you listen to, can be a life and death matter. The reason that I know that this officer was following a leader who had put within him things that he shouldn't have put within him is because when the king got news of the miracle, the king did not believe. That officer was not the source of the disbelief. The king was. And he had transmitted it down to that officer such that it cost that officer his very life because he had questioned the prophet's word from the Lord. 
To speak against the word of the Lord is never acceptable. And it's never beneficial. I need everybody in here to hear me and to understand that once you know that it is the word of the Lord, it is never going to help you to speak against it. And it is never going to be beneficial to you to not believe it. Nobody makes you come to the church you come to. But as heavy as my heart is, when someone says, I no longer believe you hear from God, or I no longer trust that what you say is from God, if that is where you're at, you must find a place where you can hear the word of the Lord and you can believe it. If you do believe the word of the Lord still flows through who is speaking to you, then you have to. The height of submission is when you don't believe and you choose to obey and submit anyway. You don't just do that willingly. You don't just do that easily. You don't just do that to anyone. But if you believe the word of the Lord comes forth from a place, if you believe in a leader or someone who speaks into your life, the test is not when you agree with them. The test is when you don't agree with them and you're struggling and what they're saying to you is fantastical and it makes no sense. And yet you know that that is where the word of the Lord has come from. That's the moment when faith has to kick in. That's the moment where belief has to kick in. That's the moment... Here's the problem. If I heard it, I've heard this so many times. I've heard it about salvation. Somebody says, oh, I, don't, I don't believe in Jesus' name baptism. God is going to have to tell me that my, himself. He's not going to tell you himself. I don't believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That, that, that's, that's for another time. Only if God reveals it to you. God's not going to reveal it to you. Because God has chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. Brothers and sisters, I'm very sorry. I know what I am. I know how human I am. But right now, I'm the voice that the word of the Lord in this house is coming out of my mouth. You don't get to hear it direct from him. You get to hear it from whoever steps into this pulpit and preaches thus saith the word of the Lord. I'm not telling you you got to like me, but if God can speak to Balaam through a jackass, then he can speak to you through me. If God can remind Peter through a rooster, then he can remind you through me. It's not about me. It wasn't about Elisha. It's about the word of the Lord. But the reality is, is you've got to understand. You've got to hear me today. And you've got to understand that God speaks through humans. I don't have to give you examples, do I? The Bible's full of it. His word usually comes through a human. That's just reality. Now here's a challenge. That Newark, you're not ready to hear. You don't like this. Some of you are really struggling with it. 
You will in your personal lives. And we will, as a local church, fail. And in fact, we are already as good as dead. Unless the Lord performs a miracle. See, that's the illusion. I celebrate what God's done with our physical campus, but it is an illusion. Because God doesn't work with buildings. He works with people. Buildings and campus can help us work with people. But God's focus is not on a building. God's focus is on people. When the founders of this church began, there was nothing. And everything said they would fail. All the job descriptions said they would fail. They didn't have the skill sets. They didn't have what it took. But they had the word of the Lord. We're no different. We stand at a point in time. And if you don't know that things are different now, I don't know what to say to you or how to alert you. If COVID-19 and this era hasn't woke you up, I don't know what will wake you up. We might as well settle in that unless the Lord shows up, unless the Lord does the miraculous, unless the Lord is in this thing, we are all going to fail, and we are already as good as dead. The church is dead. You're dead. Your house is dead. Your family's dead. You're going to fail all the way around. But... If the Lord shows up, now we're talking about a whole different game plan. The success of you and the success of me and the success of his church is not dependent upon us, but it is dependent upon us in submission to his word. Because when God speaks, he speaks things which are not as if they already exist. That prophet said... 24 hours from now, you aren't going to have a food problem. I'm telling you, he looked like an idiot. It made no sense. It was foolishness. Because you see, you never get to where God is going without faith. You don't get in your personal life. You don't get in the life of a church. You don't get where God is going without faith. And faith always moves us from the familiar to the unknown. It always moves us from our comfort zone to our risk zone. It always moves us from what we can see to the unseen. From what is to what might be. That's faith. Faith never operates in safety. Ever. It doesn't operate in our comfort zone. Without faith, you know from Hebrews, you cannot please God. He said it just explicitly. You can't please me without faith. I will require you. So let's put that into place. I will require you to go into the unknown. I will require you to go to risk. I will require you to go into what you can't see. I will require you to push for what might be, not what actually is. 
I will require you to act unsafely. See, here's the problem. Sometimes we past. We tell the past cleaned up. We leave out certain things. I need you to understand something. This church was founded in peril. This church was founded in risk. You hear the stories of the smart, brilliant physicists and scientists, and you, you, you hear all of the God worked through my mom and my dad. I need you to understand that it had been just a couple of years before that my mother was dying of cancer, less than 100 pounds. Shortly before we moved to Delaware, she had lost a baby. And I would argue to you that to this day, neither one of my parents have adequately dealt with the emotional scars that come from it. I'm not being critical of them. I'm just telling you how precarious it was. They had a little boy. No health insurance. And you see what God did in their life. Not what they were when they started. They had none of the prerequisites. They had none of the issues or uh, capabilities that would allow them to deal with planning a church. It was impossible. Papa, I'm preaching to you this morning. I need you to hear me. You've got to go back to that risk because we are as good as dead if we don't take the next step of risk. It's over because the only way we succeed is if God shows up and the only way God shows up is if you take the risk. He's not pleased with anything but faith. And he's been so good to us. So here we sit in comfort and you think well, if we just if we just hold on <laughs> no that's not going to work it's already fallen down around you it's already fallen down around you unless the lord shows up I walked into the sanctuary one day after I returned from my sabbatical and everything was in disarray. There was, I could see all the water had come in. We'd already gotten word that insurance was covering massive amounts of it. We didn't know the details of it. I looked at Desi. He said, Steve, he said, I've been working in here. And he said, the Lord said something to me. I hope he's okay that I say this. I didn't ask his permission, but. He said, Steve, I was praying. And he said, Lord said to me, you were going to spend that reserve. One way or the other, you were going to spend that reserve. You could either spend it on people which would position you, or you were going to spend it on your new roof and your new ceiling and your new carpet. But you have to take the risk step. First, then I give you the reward. Let me insert a word here. If your finances are in disarray, 
Stop waiting until they get in the proper, proper place to pay your tithes. They'll never get into the proper place. They will get into the proper place when you pay your tithes. And then you watch God do the miraculous. Can I get an amen from some folks that have lived through it? There's a whole lot of folks in here I need you to understand. We know what kind of faith step that is for you. We're not judging you. We're not being critical of you. But we know that that's a faith step because we've taken that faith step. It's not a faith step now. We know how God operates. There's a reason. We don't give tithes and offerings and missions because we are broke or because we're scared or because we're going to go to hell. No. We've just learned that God likes faith. God likes it when we take those steps of faith. God responds to those steps of faith. I don't give my tithes and my offerings and my missions out of faith now. It's a done deal. I know how God operates. You cannot wait until there's no risk, nor can we. Well, how do you know what to do? The word of the Lord. You must believe the word of the Lord. When the word of the Lord comes forth, you've got to believe it. Because he usually sends it through a human, you've got every excuse not to believe it. And therein is your choice. Oh, see how... Steve, we need a sermon on salvation here this morning. There's some people here that aren't filled with the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you something? The Holy Ghost is a gift from God. It doesn't need anything except the person asking for it and God giving it. It doesn't need a specific type of music. It doesn't need a specific type of worship. It doesn't need a specific sermon. It doesn't need anything except the person saying, God, I want it, and the person responding when God gives it. So if you're here this morning and you haven't received the Holy Ghost, you can have it today. See, why would I want it? Well, it's very simple. If you think it's cool walking with God, imagine walking around with God inside of you. If you think it's awesome to feel his presence, what do you think it'll feel like if he's always with you? No matter where you go, he's inside of your heart, and he's constantly working inside of you. That's the Holy Ghost. That's all it is. That is all that it is. And the scriptures tell us that it is his good pleasure to give the Holy Spirit to anyone who will ask him. You can have it today. It's available for you. Now, how did you hear that? You heard it through a human. Me. I'm not special. I'm equivalent to a donkey, a rooster, Elisha, Elijah, Peter, and a bunch of other yokels in the Bible. I'm not special, but I do have a word from the Lord. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm not landing yet, but the wheels are coming down, okay? Fasten your seatbelts. I have decided. I have decided to believe the word of the Lord. I have decided to risk everything based only on the word of the Lord. I have decided that failure pursuing the miraculous is way better than success pursuing anything less than God's vision for me. I have decided I'd rather be a crazy leper than an officer assisting the king. I have decided that I will not be trampled at the gate as the blessings of God 
poured out upon his people, and I wouldn't believe. I have decided I will not be trampled to death at the gate. Give me my title slide, Tina. I will not be trampled to death at the gate. When you do not believe the word of the Lord, you cling to the past because it is familiar and does not require faith or risk. And everybody does this. You hear me right now. I don't care how faithful you have been in the past. You struggle with this. We all struggle with this. We cling to the past because it's familiar. And because it's familiar, it does not require the level of faith or risk that God wants and needs to do what he's going to do. When you do not believe the word of the Lord, you choose your preferences over the revealed, scriptural, and spirit-led Direction of the Lord. When you do not believe the word of the Lord, you become critical of leadership. And you will always have a basis to be critical because God has chosen to speak through humans. So you will always have a basis to be critical. And I just help you out even further because I'm not even a very good leader. I do dumb stuff. I speak my mind. So I give you plenty of fodder. When you do not believe the word of the Lord, you refuse correction and direction. These four things we all struggle with. There's not a single one of us that doesn't struggle with these four things. There is no one who skips these four things. Every single one of us struggles with these. But I'm here today begging you, would you please join me in deciding to believe in the word of the Lord? Would you please join me in deciding to risk everything based upon the word of the Lord? Would you please join me in deciding that you'd rather fail pursuing the miraculous that the word of the Lord promises to have success pursuing anything less than God's vision for us. Would you please choose to be a crazy leper rather than an officer who assists the king? Would you please not be trampled to death at the gate? I don't want to be trampled to death at the gate. I don't want you to be trampled to death at the gate. I want you to go with me because the Lord is doing this. This that is happening in our midst, he is doing this. This is not an if, this is not a but, this is not a parenthetical phrase, this is not a question mark. He is doing this. Are you going to step through the gate? into the promise that is based upon the word of the Lord? Or are you going to be trampled to death at the gate? So you look around and you go, how's that going to work, Steve? We've taken a beating. Looks like a lot less people than, than when we were here before COVID. Yeah, I agree. Looks pretty good compared to nine. See, I got some memory. I was only six. But there were just nine. There was one man and one woman. You currently have a pastoral team of seven. Along with two members of that team that are missionaries in Vanuatu. a whole different ball game folks we had no building no money nothing 
We put no Weight Watchers. And then the George Wilson Community Center. And then that house that's fallen down. Now we have this. Say, yeah, but we had all that money. Yeah. And in one fell swoop, he put 270000 back in our pockets. Do you really think he's going to fail you? Do you really think he's going to fail us? You've got to be kidding me. If he could be faithful to my father and my mother who didn't know what they were doing and he built a church with them. And if he's been faithful to me who has not know what to do with this. Nobody prepped me for COVID. Nobody prepped me for this season. There's no way to be prepped for this season. If he's been faithful, he will continue to be faithful. Would somebody believe the word of the Lord today? Would somebody believe the word of the Lord today? Don't be trampled to death at the gate. Believe. 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 Hallelujah. 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 This altar's open. If you want to worship him, worship him. If you got to repent, then repent and then worship him. If you need to be baptized, tap your neighbor. The water's in the tank. We're ready for you. But whatever you do, please believe the word of the Lord. Please don't question it. I've not preached to you anything not in the word. I've not cast a vision to you that is not out of the word. I've not done anything that's different from what we have done in the past. Believe the word of the Lord. It is sure. It is amen. It is yea verily. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Obviously, you might need to adjust this down into your own personal life. Maybe there's a trial you're going through. Believe the word of the Lord. Believe the word of the Lord. Don't be trampled to death at the gate. Nothing you've done is too far from God's powerful hand. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I worship you and I praise you. God, I recommit to the fantastical. I recommit to the risk. I recommit to your movement. I recommit to your word. I recommit, Lord. I recommit. I believe. I believe. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus, I worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I worship you, Jesus. I magnify your name, almighty God. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, your word is sure. It's established in heaven. Oh, it's forever. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us corporately. Help us individually, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I'm holding to you, Lord. I trust you and I believe you. I trust you and I believe you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, Jesus, I love you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I put my faith in you. I'm holding to your hand, Jesus. You've been faithful. You'll continue. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Jesus. My hope is not in this world, but it is in that which is coming. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Oh, I hold to your hand, God's unchanging hand. Oh, I hold to your hand. Oh, yes, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I worship you, Lord. Oh, I magnify your name, Lord Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm holding to it, Lord. I'm not moving, I'm trusting. Yes, Jesus. Oh, I worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, Jesus. I've counted on you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Everything is in you, Lord. Everything is in you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I worship you and I praise you. I magnify your name, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
If today was encouragement, be encouraged. If today has some correction in it, take the correction. Don't condemn. I don't want you trampled in the gate. I don't want to be trampled in the gate, and I don't want you trampled in the gate. So take the correction. And if today was revelation to you, we're patient. Go search the scriptures daily to see whether the things I said are so. If they're not, come ask. This is a church where you get to ask. You get to ask, we prefer, with a good attitude. But you can even ask with a bad attitude. I might correct your attitude, but I'll still answer your question. This is not an unsafe place. We're not out to get anybody. We want everybody going to heaven. We want everybody going with us. We want everybody being a part of us. We know we're human. We're going to bump along. We're going to offend. We're going to have problems. But the word of the Lord is yea, verily, amen. And we're going to found ourselves on that word. What is the scripture saying? And what is God saying through the preached and taught word? You can't preach something that's not consistent with the scriptures. If you think I did this morning, bring it to me. Trust me. I could have kept you here till 6 p.m. if I gave you all the proofs. But come. If you got a question, come ask it. I'll sit down with you and I'll cite example after example to give you the basis. Because I'm not talking about you obeying my voice. I'm talking about you obeying the voice of the Lord that happens to become coming through the preached word. But it's got to be established and soundly connected to the word. So go, if this is revelation today, go and study the scriptures daily, whether the things I preach to you this morning are so. Be encouraged, be corrected, receive the revelation. And then, let's get to work. Let's get to work, step by step. And yeah, it's going to be a little bumpy. You don't shut down a campus for 15, 16 months and get everything up and running like that. So it'll be a little bumpy, but stay with us. You don't want to miss the servantship. You don't want to miss how you get back involved with serving. That's coming in September. You've got notices. If you all don't know, you're getting texted emails like crazy. Read them, please. Everybody look at your neighbor and say they expect us to read. If you can't read, bring it to me and I will read it to you. And I'll give you a special reading with emphasis points. It'll be colorful. I won't cuss. But I will make faces at you. Read your emails. Read the website. We did it digitally for 15 months. We can do this in person now. Amen? Say, I heard you, preacher. Oh, that sounded really weak. Can you please do it a little bit better than that? That's better. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.